All right, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Swell? Yes, love it. Awesome. Well, um, we have a member of our church that is going to be taking a trip uh, soon. Actually, she's going to be leaving tomorrow to go to Africa and do ministry there uh, with youth and children, with one of our missions partners, Africa Connect. And so I wanted to take a moment before we get started and pray over her as she's leaving tomorrow. Lil Armstrong, will you come up here? Can we give her a hand too? Awesome. And so um, Lil does so much with this missions partner that we have, and uh, she's touching so many lives there. And you're gonna be there for how many weeks? Almost seven. Almost seven weeks there. And, uh, and so I just wanted to take a moment and just lift her up in prayer as she leaves tomorrow. So you guys just stretch out your hands, close your eyes. Let's just pray for her. Lord Jesus, Father, I thank you, God, for Lil. I thank you, God, for her obedience to you, Lord, and her love for these incredible kids that she's ministering to there in Africa. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will move on her, God, that your blessing will be upon her, God, that your grace will be upon her, Lord Jesus, and that she will love well, God, that she will exemplify Christ in a special way, Lord, to these kids and to the people and to the ministry there, Lord, that she will be a support to them, that she will care for them well. Lord, I pray that you will pour out your spirit on them, God. I pray for salvations, for transformation, God, for growth, Lord God, for sustainability, Lord, with their uh, physical felt needs, Jesus, uh, for food and clothing and water, and Lord God, that you will bless the ministry there, Lord Jesus, the education for these kids kids, God, that you'll bless them with a good education, Father, that the ministry will continue to thrive and to flourish and to grow, Lord God, and that your kingdom will be established in that place. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that Lil will be your representative, your ambassador for your heavenly kingdom. Lord God, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through her. Lord God, I pray, God, that you will keep her safe as she travels all the way across the world, God. I pray that everything will go smoothly, Lord Jesus, all the plans, all the ministry functions, everything that's taking place, God, will have your grace upon it, your hand of favor on it. And we thank you, God, for eternal impact, Lord God, as she uh, continues to love well and represent you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you, Lil. Awesome. Well, I wanted to encourage you all. I know we are in the middle of our awakening time, prayer and fasting, 21 days. We're two weeks in, only one week to go. And, uh, and it's been a wonderful time of prayer, a wonderful time of worship on Wednesday nights. That's been great, as Bill was talking this morning, creating space to seek the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, uh, sometimes, as Katie mentioned a little bit this morning too, uh, when we're praying and when we're fasting, we're hoping to have this amazing experience, of course, with the Lord. And sometimes that isn't the case. Sometimes we're just hungry. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're just like, oh man, I'd, I wish I could watch my show right now, but I'm fasting television or whatever it is. And, and so we're not experiencing that amazing moment that we are hoping for. And I just want to encourage you in the fact that sometimes the fruit of fasting shows up after the fast, like when it's complete. And you start to notice the fact that you have a deeper hunger for the word of God and that you're thirsty for the presence of God. 
and that you're more mindful of God when you go into your day and you're talking to God throughout the day and you're inviting God into different parts of your life that maybe you didn't think to invite him before and you realize all of a sudden, oh, wow, I, I feel closer to the Lord. And it, it, it is true. That fruit comes when we fast, when we dedicate time to seek the Lord. That carries into the rest of our life. When the 21 days is over, that fruit doesn't end. It's fruit that remains. When God bears fruit in our lives, when the Spirit of God does something in you, it stays with you, right? And so I just want to encourage you with that, that maybe if you're not having what you are hoping for, that, that huge breakthrough or something like that, uh, don't stop. Keep going. We have another week. Double down and continue to press in. I, I actually once heard a man of God say that fasting, uh, the fruit of fasting isn't measured in days or weeks or months or even years, but decades. And so many times the fruit of this moment will show up 10 years from now down the road in your life. And so don't stop. God is at work and he's always working. We might not see it, but he's working. Amen? Amen. Well, let's continue on this final week. And then we have prayer again tomorrow, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. here at the church. And then Wednesday night is going to be an all, all worship night for kids, for the youth, for us, we will have childcare for the littles, um, but everyone's invited. We're going to have the full band here that Wednesday night. We're going to do 7 to 8 p.m., a full hour of worship dedicated to seeking the Lord with the whole team. So I would love for the whole church to be here, for all of us to be here this Wednesday night, the 31st, 7 to 8 p.m. It's going to be an awesome time of pressing in and experiencing the glory of God and making his name great within this body. Amen? All right. Um, how many of you guys have had the experience in your life where you were hoping for something or, or you had this longing? Maybe it was an event that was coming up in your life and you're thinking, man, I can't wait for this day. You're going to Disney World. I don't know, something like that. And, and you're really looking forward to it. And uh, as an adult, you know, you're looking forward to Disney. I, know I, I would be. But you're looking forward to it and you're really excited about it. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be so awesome. We're going to have this wonderful time. It's going to be great. And you get there and you build it up and you build it up in your heart and in your head. And then finally the time comes and the day comes and it's uh, kind of disappointing. Like, dang it, that was not as cool as I was hoping it would be. Anybody ever had that experience? Okay, good. I have too. I feel like that's pretty common, especially for me because I get... I get my expectations up really high sometimes. Um, so there's that. <laughs> I know you guys are like, no way. Um, but even more rare than that are times where you have something you're looking forward to in your life. You have this hope, this expectation, and you're building it up in your mind. And the same thing. You know, oh, this is going to be epic. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so wonderful. And the time comes and it happens and it is wonderful. It's amazing, and in fact, it exceeds your expectations and is even greater than you thought that it was going to be. And I feel like those moments are fewer and farther between, right? Where it's something just absolutely blows our mind, it exceeds our expectations. Well, I had one of those moments when I was 13 years old. I, uh, our worship leader was offering to give guitar lessons at our church, and he said, in six weeks, you're going to learn how to play the guitar. We're going to have six lessons, and in six weeks, you're going to learn four different songs, 500 chords, and you're going to leave this class being able to play the guitar. And I was like, I have to do it. 
And I wanted to get a guitar, though. I had to have a guitar. So I talked to my mom and dad. I'm like, hey, can I please, can I please, 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 please have a guitar, guitar? And it's only a few hundred dollars. Um, and it's not my birthday. And it's not Christmas. But can I please have a guitar? And I looked through this magazine, and I found this beautiful, beautiful guitar. It was a Washburn D10 CEQ with a quilted maple top. And I'm like, yes, that's the one. It's only hundreds and hundreds of dollars. That's the one I want, Dad. I want that guitar. And he's like, ha, 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 that's funny. Let's go to the cheap guitar section. <laughs> and so we went there, and we found another guitar. And again, it was like this talk. It was a good guitar. And he's like, maybe we can do this for you. And I'm like, I was still excited. I was thrilled. I was excited to have a guitar. And I remember the day came where I was going to open my guitar, and I was like, yes, I get this Takamini, you know, it's a good guitar, I can't wait. I was just excited to play the guitar, I was excited to do the lessons, and so I was amped, I was ready, I couldn't wait to open that case. And I remember opening the case, and I lifted it up, and there was that Washburn D10 CEQ with a quilted maple top, and I, my mind was blown, and it was like greatest moment ever in the smell the smell of the new guitar. I just wanted to eat it, you know, which would have not been pleasant. But, oh, man, it just smelled good. And I remember getting it out, and the, and the action, if you're a musician, that, that's, the, that's the distance from the strings and the fretboard was really low, so it was easy for me as a new guitar player to play it, like an electric guitar, and it was electronic, so you could plug it in. I was just so pumped. And then I did the lessons, six weeks, and guess what? I learned how to play the guitar, and, and it came naturally, and it was great, and I came out, and it was just better than I could have ever expected, this wonderful experience of this guitar and this, these lessons and learning songs, and I started playing the worship team, and it was, it was just wonderful. Glorious moment in my life. <laughs> and you guys are like, great, what does this have to do with it? All right, I just wanted to tell you. Okay, now back on to the message. Uh, no. So we have... A hope and a dream and an expectation in Jesus that is guaranteed to exceed our expectations. Guaranteed to blow our minds. To be better than we could ever think or imagine. We have a hope that when we see Jesus face to face, It'll be life itself, the source of all joy and love and peace and fulfillment in that moment, something that our mind can't even comprehend when we meet the Lord. And the Bible guarantees us in Romans 5, 5, it says, this hope that we have will not disappoint because the Holy Spirit proves it and confirms it by pouring out God's love within our hearts in this world and in this life. We get to taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. And we have a hope that will not disappoint. We have this dream. And there was many men and women of God that dreamed of being in the presence of God, but only the high priest once a year could go into God's presence. But they, would, they wanted to. They wanted to experience God, and they didn't have that opportunity. You and I get to live their dream. 
Every moment of every day, we have an opportunity and we have access to the very presence of the living God. What a blessing. So the title of my message this morning is Living the Dream. Living the Dream. Let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your spirit with us today. Lord, we want to encounter you, Jesus. We want to live into your presence, Father. We want to make your name great. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that anything that comes forth out of my mouth that's from me will just fall to the ground and be fruitless. Lord, but I pray that your words will remain and bear fruit 30, 60, 100-fold in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Well, we're continuing in our series this morning, After God's Heart. And we're looking at the life of David, the ultimate seeker of God. Right? We're asking the question, how do we seek the Lord with all of our heart? Because we have the promise in Jeremiah 29, 13 that says, God says, if you seek me, you will what? Find me. That's an awesome promise. We seek God. We're going to find God and experience the living God. But he says one other thing. You will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. So how do we do that? Well, we look at the life of David and we see that God, David put seeking God at the center of every aspect of the human experience. He put it at the center of his heart. We talked about that last week. The, the seat of human emotion, the core of who he is. He put seeking God at the center of that, that core conviction that he couldn't shake. Although he had ups and downs in his life, that thread was consistent to seek God, seek God, seek God, seek God, always, in every circumstance. And how did he do it? How was he a heart-seeking missile? Well, he made his number one petition to be with him, to see him, and to seek him. His number one prayer was, God, I want to see you, I want to be with you, and I want to seek you. So that was his number one petition. He looked to God for every essential need, casted his cares upon the Lord because he cared for him, and trusted God with the outcome of situations in his life. He looked for God everywhere and in everything, and he found him. We see that. He found him in nature. He saw God's fingerprint on creation. He saw it in people. He saw God working in the hardest times of his life, building his character, forming him, and he saw him working in the greatest victories and giving him all the credit that he deserves. And then every time David found God or saw God in any aspect of his life, what did he do? He took that opportunity to exalt him and to worship him and to lift him up. And therefore he kept seeking God at the center of his heart. Well, the next thing was he kept God at the center of his dream, the dream of his life, his hope, his future, what is to come, his longing. Everything in that was centered around seeking the Lord. And we're going to look at that today. So 1 Chronicles 13, 1 through 3. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture today. 1 Chronicles 13, 1 through 3 says, David conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. He then said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of our people throughout the territories of Israel and also to the priests and Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. 
Let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. So David had just become king of Israel. And his first act as king was, we need to get the ark of the covenant into the city. We need God's presence because the ark was the presence of the Lord. It was where God dwelt above the Ark of the Covenant. And he's like, I want to get that right in the center of the city, right in the midst of, his, of the people of God, the presence of God. That was his first act. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a golden box, right, that, that held the Ten Commandments, Aaron's budded, supernaturally budded rod, and the manna that they ate in the desert, the Israelites. And on it was this cover with two cherubim, these winged, beautiful and uh, angels, and God's presence would dwell literally above the ark. So in the old tabernacle, they would see the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night resting over where the ark of the covenant was, the most holy place of the tabernacle. And no one could enter into that room but the high priest, and they could only do it once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. Right, So it was a sacred place. It was where God's glory literally dwelt. And Moses, it would say that when Moses talked to God, God spoke to him from the place above the cherubim. Like the God's voice literally came above the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. So this was the presence of God, the glory of God. And David's like, I want to bring God's presence, him, his throne, into the city. Because he's the king. I might be the king, but he's my king. And I want him in the middle of the city. So that was his first act as king was, let's bring the presence of God. This is his dream. Let's bring the presence of God into the city. So 1 Chronicles 15, verse 1 through 3 says, After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. Verse 3, David assembled all Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. So he's gathering the entire nation together for this moment. He's like, this is a big deal, guys. It's God. He's, He's the big deal. Verse 16, David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So they're having this huge parade, bringing God's presence, the very presence of the Lord into the city. And they're singing, they're worshiping. He's commanding all the Levites, all the people to to give God glory as they bring in the ark, this huge festive Throng. And then verse 25, it says, So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of units of a thousand went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. Because God had helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. And then in verse 28, So all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts with the sounding of ram's horns and trumpets and of cymbals and the playing of lyres and harps. This was David's heart, to bring everyone, including himself, near to the Lord, to be with him, remember? To be with him, to see him, and to seek him. He wanted to be near the presence of God. But listen, it wasn't just a desire of his heart. It wasn't just something that he's like, yeah, man, I really would like that. No, 
The dream of David was to be wherever God was. That was his dream. It went farther than just a desire. It was literally the dream of his life to be with God where he was. David planned his life around being with God. Everything was centered around that in his presence, being in the midst of his people. Look at all the links that he went to bring God's presence into the city. I mean, literally, there was a time where uh, they're trying to bring their ark in, and some guy, it's, it's on a cart, and it starts to wobble, and a guy comes out to, like, balance it so it doesn't fall, and he touches the ark, which, no, no, not supposed to do that unless you're a Levite, and then, boom, he's dead. So then they're like, ah, uh, maybe we shouldn't touch the ark. What should we do? Let's put it in this guy's house, Obed-Edom, which, I, and that was terrifying for Obed-Edom, I'm sure. Um, but then God blesses his family. And like this huge blessing comes because the presence of God was with him. And then David's like, oh yeah, that's right. It's God's presence. Uh, yeah, we should bring that into Jerusalem. Let's just do it the right way. So he goes to all, this, all these links, but he understood, God, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere without you with me. And the other seeker of God that we hear in scripture is Moses. Moses said the exact same thing. He said, he said God, we're not going to leave this place if you don't go with us. We don't want to go anywhere without you. And then another seeker of God, who he kind of was God as well, um, Jesus, <laughs> he said, without me, you can do nothing. David, Moses, Jesus, we're not doing anything without the presence of God with us. That should be the cry of our hearts in our lives. God, I'm not moving forward with this business venture. I'm not moving forward with this move. I'm not doing this thing. I'm not committing to this. I'm not doing any of these things unless you are with me because you're it. And without you, I can do nothing. And so David had this passion. Not only did he seek wise counsel, he made specific strategic plans to bring the ark into the city he executed those plans. He did the work. But it wasn't just devotion. It wasn't just cold. Just like, okay, well, this is the right thing to do. You know, we should have God in the city because it's the right thing. So I'm going to do all these things because it's the right thing to do. It wasn't just devotion alone. David was passionate about the presence of God. And that's, that's our goal as a church. Being one with Jesus is being fully alive and fully devoted to God. Yes, it is devotion. We do want to obey the Lord, but man, we're fully alive to God. We're passionate about the presence of the Lord, and that was David. Look at what David did in 1 Samuel 6, verse 14. This is as they're bringing the ark into the city. During the parade, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Now, let me just paint a picture for you there, okay? <laughs> You're like, are you going to dance? <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to do that. But um, <laughs> David was a warrior. He was a warrior. I mean, there was a song, Saul has, has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. This dude was a beast, all right? He took out Goliath when he was like 14 years old. Right? And, then, and then he just continued to win battles, and he was this incredible warrior. And it said David danced, which dancing in public 
can be a scary thing, right? But it says he danced before the Lord with all his might. This warrior, with everything in him, dancing before God. And that was a sight to be seen. Shamelessly worshiping the Lord. And while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel was, has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord. He said, My mind was on one, one thing. It was before him. It wasn't for you. It wasn't for them. It wasn't about me. It was about him. And yeah, I danced before the Lord, my God, with all of my might. He says, who chose me, the Lord, who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel? I will celebrate before the Lord. And then he says, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be, listen to this, humiliated in my own eyes. I don't care what anyone thinks because it's not about them. I don't care how I look. I don't care if it ruins their opinions of me. This is before the Lord, and I'm worshiping him, and he knows my heart, and I'm going to give everything I have to him, even if I'm humiliated. He said, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. David was passionate about the presence of God. And not only was it his dream, not only did he make the plans, not only did he do the work, but man, it was everything in his heart. He just wanted to be near to God. And it was not about anyone else but him. He even said it when he sinned. He said, before you, Lord, against you only have I sinned. He wasn't thinking about others. He wasn't thinking about them. He was thinking about him. Singular focus. And the dream didn't end there. So he sought counsel. He did the work. He did the plans. His heart was invested. But also, he rallied the people around the dream. He said, you guys are going to get on this too. You're going to experience the presence of God. First Chronicles 16, look at what he says in verse 8. To the whole nation of Israel, he commands them. He says, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him and sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. So let's do it 
together. And then right after this, he has regular worship maintained every morning and every evening, constantly before the ark. Worship, the Levites worshiping, singing every morning, every evening, constantly worshiping the Lord. And even this wasn't enough for David. Are you guys getting the, the, the picture here that this is his dream? <laughs> he still couldn't, it just wasn't enough. The ultimate dream of his life, even when everything was settled, the ark was in its place, he had brought it into the city, there was this huge celebration, they're worshiping, he's dancing, he tells his wife, hey, I'm going to be even more humiliated. All of this stuff happens, he commands the people, regular worship, and then he's sitting here, like right after this, 1 Chronicles 17.1, after David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, I love this too, he's like, oh, you're a prophet? Okay, you're my friend because you're close to him. And I want people who know God to be the people that I'm hanging out with. He says to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And he was just, he couldn't stop thinking about it. It was always on his mind. It's like, man, how can I live in this house? Man, when the ark of God, God's very presence is in a tent. He's communicating this to Nathan. And that was his dream. What He really, he just wanted to build a permanent dwelling place for God in the midst of his people. But David didn't get to do that. His son did. And God told David, listen, you've shed too much blood. Your son, Solomon, will be the one who builds my temple. And then David used the rest of his life to prepare his son to build the temple of God. Like everything was about seeking God. But here's what's amazing, guys. David dreamed it. We get to live it. Because our hearts are the permanent dwelling place of God. He dwells within us. The Bible says that we are being built up for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 3 says that Christ makes his home in our hearts through faith. That our hearts are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God literally dwells within us. How incredible is that? Can you imagine what David would think about that? He would go nuts. He'd be crazy. He'd be like talking to God. God, how you doing? You know, like, how you doing in there? Constantly, he'd be so excited and passionate. Oh my goodness, God dwells within us. How amazing is this? We get to live out this dream, guys. The Spirit of God dwells within us because of Jesus. He made us pure. He washed us clean of all of our sin. And now the very presence of God can be within us. So, how do we live the dream? Because this is our reality. This is true. But how do we live it out and, and take advantage of the fact that we can encounter God, that Jesus made a way into the most holy place of God's presence where any day, any moment, we can come before God in prayer, in worship? How do, how do we take advantage of that? How do we experience that and let that be our day-to-day -day reality? So I want to talk about a few practical things that we can do to just stay close, to keep our minds, because it's true, he's with us, that is the truth. 
God's in the room. Right now, the Spirit of God, the presence of God is in this room. God is here. Wow. So, but the question is, our hearts and our minds, how do we keep them on him? How do we take in that reality and live into that regularly? Because as you all know, we have so many distractions in this world. How do we do that? So some practical things that we can do just to stay close to God and in his presence through prayer and worship, okay? Live in the dream. Number one, use faith. Use faith. I know this seems like very elementary, but when we're praying and when we're worshiping the Lord, believe that God hears your words and that he's in the room. Believe that he hears your words because he does. It's true. It's all over scripture. He hears our prayers. Believe though that he hears your words. Every word that you pray, when it's aimed towards heaven, when it's aimed towards God, he hears your prayers. Knowing that, believing that, God's hearing me right now. Every word that I say, and he's in the room. I'm not speaking to an idea. I'm speaking to a person, a living person who is here. So when I pray, I believe he's hearing my words. He's in the room. When we worship God, we believe every word that we sing is going straight to the ears of God. He's hearing it. He's delighting in it. And he's in the room. The Bible says that God is seated on the praises of his people. Seated, the throne where he sits is on the praise of his people. When we worship, this, this little room in this warehouse can become the throne room of God because God is seated on the praises of his people. So when we pray and when we worship, we believe God's hearing my words and he is in the room. And when we sing and when we pray, we sing to him, not at him. There's a difference because that's that personal piece. When I'm praying, when I'm talking, I'm talking to a living person. It's a different thing than just talking to the ethereal God up there. I'm talking to a living person. When I'm worshiping, I'm singing to someone. When you sing to someone or you sing a song, it's different, right? Right? Like, like if you're singing just like some, some romantic song and because you like the sound of it, it's got cool instruments, you're just kind of singing in the car. That's one thing. But if I were to sing that song to my wife, that's totally different. And so when I'm singing to him, there's something different about that. And not just because. I'm not praying just because it, uh, we pray. That's what we do. You know, we pray. Pray before our, our meals. Pray before we do this. So we do the thing. We do the prayer thing. So, Lord, pray that you'll be with us. You bless us. It's great. Yeah, amen. You know what I mean? Like, we do things. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I do it all the time. I, when, when I'm praying, I'll, I'll just pray because I, I'm supposed to pray. And so I pray. But I'm not talking to God. I'm not thinking, oh, he's hearing my words right now, and I'm in the presence of the living God. I'm just going to... Just pray. So not just because, when I'm singing, not just because, and God's in the room. So use faith. Listen to this. Listen to David, 1 Chronicles 13.3. He said, let us bring the ark of God 
back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. But look at chapter 14, verse 10. So David inquired of God, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, I will deliver them into your hands. David, when he talked to God, he knew God was hearing his words. And beyond that, he expected a response that God was going to speak to him. And then what do you know? He did. See me with all your heart. What do you do? You find me. And then look at, he does it again. 14, verse 14. So David inquired of God again, and God answered him again. Do not go directly after them. Circle around and attack them in front of the poplar trees. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army. What do you know? He believed that when he prayed and when he worshiped, God was hearing his words and that God would respond. He engaged, he, he used faith. Number two, engage your heart. Engage your heart. Refuse to allow your words to be empty. Worship and prayer are an overflow of our love for God and our trust in him. It's an overflow. It's not just a religious act. It's not just a practice. It is an overflow of trust. That's why we go to God in prayer, because we trust him. And it's an overflow of our love for him, because we want to seek him. We want to hear him. We want to talk to him. And so sincerity, authenticity, and then engaging our heart. Are, are, are the words that we're saying coming from our heart aimed at his heart? When we pray, when we worship. And it's an expression, and it's an expression of our love towards God. Worship's an ex- we get to express David violently dancing. Was an expression of his love for God. Number three, leave your image at the door. Leave your image at the door. Whatever persona you want to be projected as or presented as or received as, lay that aside and just seek God. Because we all have it. We all have a way that we want to be received, whether we're conscious of it or not. We want people to see us a certain way, receive us a certain way, uh, experience us a certain way. Maybe it's because we want to be, want to look tough. You know, us guys, we want to look tough. And so we present ourselves. We have a certain persona because we want to be received that way. Or maybe we want to look very spiritual. And so we'll do things maybe a little inauthentically in order to be perceived a certain way. Or maybe we want to look wise or we want to look smart or we want whatever it is. We, there's all those little voices and struggles within our hearts. We all deal with insecurity in different ways. So we want to be presented a certain way. We want people to receive us a certain way. But man, like David, he didn't care what other people thought. I remember I used to teach as a kid's pastor, and I would talk to them about what radical worshipers were. And I would ask them every Sunday, I was like, okay, who are radical worshipers? What, what do they have in common? And the two things that we said to the kids, one was tell God how you feel, be real with the Lord, be real, be authentic, be genuine, right? And then number two, don't care what other people think. It's not about them. And when we're worshiping, it's about him. It's not even about us. It's about him. It's about making his name great, right? He's always worthy. Even if we're not feeling it, he's worthy, right? And so it doesn't matter. Look at David's words. Man, David was dancing, twirling, twirling, to, to twirl. As a man, as a warrior, twirling in front of people, you know? 
That's, 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 that's tough. Singing, shouting, clapping. His wife thought he was crazy. Just to give you an idea. But his response, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I'm not trying to present an image to anyone. I'm trying to lift up the name of my God. That's what's in my mind. I'm not even thinking about everyone else. I'm thinking about him. So number four, be honest with God. Tell God how you feel. Own what you're feeling up front, then surrender it to him. Tell God how you feel. It's okay. Sometimes we're not feeling it. We're just not feeling worship. I'm like, oh, God, I don't really want to worship. You know? Tell God how you feel. Be honest. David, man, he would, he would say some brutal stuff. He would, he would say, God, you're, you're against me. Your feet are squashing me, and you're trying to destroy me. And he would say that to God. But then he would say, but I know that's not true. <laughs> you're not actually trying to squash me. You know, I know you're faithful and you can be trusted. And, but he told God how he, how he felt, but then he surrendered that to the Lord. He said, these feelings I'm having are not truth. But let me tell you, and I'm going to give this to you, Lord. And now, soul, bless the Lord. He told himself, bless God. You don't feel it? So you're not feeling it? Too bad, brother. You're going you're gonna to bless the Lord because he's worthy still, no matter what's happening in my life. And then number five, lastly, meditate on truth. Meditate on truth. Listen to the voice of God. He only speaks truth. Get into the word. Take a, a scripture, a verse, something, and just... Just think about it over and over. Say it in your mind. Look at that psalm in Psalms 27. One thing of the Lord that I desire, this one thing I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Gaze upon his beauty and seek him in his temple. Just thinking about that over and over. And what that does, that truth aligns our minds with the voice of God. And then we can hear God's voice more clearly. It's like opening that door because there's so many voices in the world. They're speaking to us. So many voices trying to lift us up or lift other things up. But yet God is the voice that we need. He's the clean air environment. And that's how we do it. We get into the word of God and we meditate on something as simple as just, like I said, just one line. I remember I tried this in a very literal sense once and it was the, the verse where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And I just remember thinking about it. Like, I was like, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to just think of this one line, like, all day long. Just say it over and over in my head. Sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And I just sat there and thought about, thought about, all day long, all day long. And I remember I sat down with my grandmother that afternoon, and we were just talking about Jesus, because she's amazing. And uh, we started talking, and then I started talking about that verse, and just, all this stuff. I didn't throw up. But I'm saying, all this stuff. You're like, what? What? All this stuff just started coming out of me about that. And I, didn't, I hadn't thought about any of those things. There's something about our hearts lining up with truth. And it's like this flow of God's voice just flows into our life and it comes out. So, I want to stay close to the Lord. The Spirit of God is within us. I want to use faith, engage our hearts, leave our image at the door. Be honest with God. 
and then meditate on truth. And then we get to live in to the dream that David had. We get to live that dream. Amen? So I want to close with this. The only reason we get to do this is because of Jesus. He made the way. Jesus took all of our sin upon himself on the cross. He died in our place, took our punishment. And because of that, we've been made clean. We've been adopted into his family. And now the Bible says, because of his sacrifice, we can go straight to God. We can go straight to him because we've been made pure and clean because of what he did. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. I wonder who ripped that veil. That was the Lord saying, you know what? Now everyone can come into my presence because of Jesus. So when we surrender our life to him, he makes a way where there was no way. So this is what I want to do. If everyone could just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to give an opportunity for anyone in here. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you've been to this church for a long time, for years even. But maybe you've never really made that decision, that personal choice to say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. Like David, I, I, I want to give all of my heart to the Lord. I want to know God. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We say, we put our trust in him and say, you are Lord of my life, and I believe that only through you my sins are forgiven. And then, boom, we're adopted into the family of God. He cleanses us from all of our sin, makes us new, and it's the free gift of eternal life with Jesus. And we get to have that hope that doesn't disappoint. So if you're in here and you say, man, I, I need to make that choice. I need to make that decision to give my life to the Lord, to really do it. Or maybe it's maybe you have done it before, but you need to come back to God. You, maybe you've been wondering from him and you're like, I, I need to come back to Jesus and rededicate my heart to him. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I just want you to raise up your hand as a, as a sign of faith to God and say, God, I want to make this decision and I want to follow you. I want to accept you as the Lord, my Lord and Savior. And so if you're here today and you say, I want to make that decision with every head bowed, I just want you to raise up that hand. Raise up your hand and then you can put it right back down. All right, I see those hands. God might be knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, will you let me in? I want to come in. You can just raise up that hand and put it right back down. Thank you. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray together as a body. And I just want you to repeat this prayer after me, and it's okay. We're all going to do it together. So if this is your first time asking Jesus to be Lord of your life, or if this is you saying, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm rededicating my life to God. Whatever it is, then just pray this prayer to the Lord. Remember, you're saying it to him. 
not to anyone here. It's to the living God who is in the room. Will you all just repeat after me when you just say it loud? Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I put my trust in you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Wash me clean. Be Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. Help me love you and help me love others. I give my life to you, to follow you, to worship you, to obey you, and to experience you. In Jesus' name. close our time here with some worship and I just encourage you this is an opportunity as always God's in the room so as we sing our words he's hearing them let's sing to our God you can stand, you can be seated whatever you want to do, let's worship the Lord
Wednesday night is another awesome opportunity. We're going to gather together as the body of Christ and we're just going to we're just going to worship. Like that's it. We're going to spend an hour and just dedicate that time to lifting up the name of our great God and just seeing what God does. And we open the door to him and he comes in. Amen. We open the door to him, he comes in. We seek him, we find him. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm just praying that this last week of the Awakening Fast will just be the best week of the fast. And that you guys will experience the fullness of God in unique ways this week. That's my prayer for you. So let me just bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless these incredible men and women of God. Lord Jesus, thank you for who they are, God. I pray that you give them grace. Lord, just seek you this week. Lord God, to, to capture, that you'll just capture their gaze, Lord God, throughout their days. Lord, I pray, God, for their times of prayer, their times of worship. Pray that they will be full, Lord, and they will be full of you, lifting up the name of God. 
And Lord, I just thank you that you will grow us. Lord, grow us closer to yourself and closer to each other. Lord God, we love you. Thank you that you love us perfectly. And you've given everything to us that we need in this life. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. And I'll see you tomorrow or Wednesday.